Welcome to Two Girls in a Grape, where we attempt to learn about wine one bottle at a time. I'm Drea, and wine clubs are my love language. And I'm Jules, and I'm a sharer and a carer when it comes to wine and wine clubs. And all things, really. Well. I mean, if you like people. If I like people, but if I really like something, I'm a little, I'm like, don't share this with anybody. <laughs> Keep it to yourself. I can be a little selfish sometimes. <laughs> Lock that down. Lock that time, info most down. Most of the time, I'm sharing. <laughs> In case you haven't guessed, dear listeners, viewers, readers, we are focusing on wine clubs. Yay! It is harvest season. Harvest season in, is in full swing, and you know what that means? That means wine club deliveries oh, are a coming. Oh my god. Also, it's the like deliveries Christmas. are coming, but also the credit card bills are getting hit. Well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but before we get into all those shenanigans, let's kick it off with our reoccurring segment, Cheers and Jeers. Jules, what are you cheersing and jeersing this episode? Today, I'm cheersing to myself for taking four nights off of drinking wine. But not to worry, listener, I am back on track. Well, that's impressive. It was impressive. I, I guess. And it did feel good. Good to good. take a little bit of a break. I mean, sometimes livers like. It's like, what's that shirt you have? Shut up, liver. You're fine. You're fine. You're My, fine. I was like, I hear you, liver. I got it. I need to take a little bit of a break. But also, sometimes taking a break then helps me really appreciate that first sit back. I'm right? Like, oh, yeah. I, I do love why I you. I do this all the time. <laughs> <laughs> and what are you jeersing? I am jeersing to the dick shit in Trader Joe's last night who was coughing all over the place and was not wearing a goddamn mask. I just was walking around muttering under my mask, just fuck off, you asshole. Just fuck off. Like, why are you not wearing a mask and you're over here just coughing? I your love lungs that up? as a society, we've literally learned nothing. Nothing. Not a damn nothing. thing. I also have another jeers. Oh, wow. We're doubling yeah, down today. We're doubling down today. I'm jeersing myself. So I cheers myself. I'm jeersing myself because we actually recorded this episode. Oh, we're going to be transparent? We're going to wow, be transparent. Wow, damn. Okay. We did record this episode already, dear listener, and I fucking deleted it. So here we are again redoing it. So I mean, we'll see if we do better the second time around. That's true. I mean, we'll never know, though. We'll never know. <laughs> Because the recording is out in the ether. And they'll never know. <laughs> and they'll never know. What are you cheersing to? I am also cheersing to me. <laughs> but we're so celebratory oh, this episode. Yeah. Uh, I just finished an article for publication in my other life as an academic. And I feel like I've earned a lot of wine for my efforts. So I'm, I'm very pleased with myself. We're uh, here to help I, you with that. <laughs> thank you. I appreciate that. I mean, I, w I was also sober for... A number of days, not by choice, but by necessity. Because you just had to get shit. Yeah, I had to keep yeah. my wits about me, you yeah. know. My um, wits get better with a little bit of alcohol, though, I think. See, I like to believe that, but I'm not convinced. <laughs> 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 who was it, Hemingway, who said, write drunk, edit sober? And I was in the well, thick of editing, okay. so I, I had to... Got it. Yeah. Okay. And what are you jeersing to? <sighs> Airports. I Always. am preparing to take my first international trip in almost three years, and I have some anxiety. What do you have anxiety about, though? Um, the actual, like, flying with other no. people? No. I mean, she had COVID. She's been boosted to the gods. Mm -hmm. She's got Paxlovid in her carry-on in case she needs it. Let the, those chips fall where they may. I feel like the airport has become the, do, the new DMV 
people the are just dude. The, new the dude the dude the dude <laughs> the at dude. the dmv people are just idiots there they have no idea what they're doing everyone's got some bullshit problem You're not wrong it's just it's a hot mess and um i love john my husband love traveling with him he's a nightmare at the airport why he just like he's the guy who always has something in his pocket still oh god <laughs> he's the person that rob and i stand behind we're like what the fuck yeah yeah because so we haven't we had instituted the new rule um probably like in 2018 i was like listen i'm going in the line first and if you get I'll there meet you at the gate like if you make it you make it if you don't that's on you <laughs> but i feel like you know it's been a while i have to be maybe a little bit more proactive a little bit more caring and loving or whatever yes. so yeah i once i get on the plane i'll be fine but the experience of of an airport is just not something i'm looking forward to uh yeah it just never is yeah unless and, you you know unless i win the lottery and i can start traveling like private and you go to that special terminal yeah and where you don't have to deal with the public and then it's just like the four of right. us on a learjet to somewhere yeah fine. i'm down with that that sounds great yeah we can take the dogs we need to start buying lottery yeah tickets. we really do so there's our cheers and jeers for our first harvest episode of the fall season. This episode, we are celebrating harvest season by harvesting our own wine clubs. And I'm sure this is a surprise to everyone, but we collectively belong to quite a few wine clubs. Just no, a couple. No, no shame in our game. Just a couple. Uh, and when you belong to wine clubs, harvest time is a big fucking deal. Big fucking deal. Huge fucking deal. Deliveries. <laughs> Parties. Statements. Parties. <laughs> tastings. Perks. All of it. Um, it's a really great time. So a lot of producers and vineyards will have like harvest parties and there are some where you can even take part in the harvest so they have the great stomping of the grapes great yeah. picking all yeah. of that stuff bottling um and so we highly encourage you to think about that as you're thinking about the wine clubs you belong to thinking about the wine clubs you may want to join in the future but we thought it would be fun for this episode shawinigans to focus on some of our favorite wine club features. Okay, so I'm going to ask the first question. Drea, right. what what makes you join a wine club? So I'm just going to be super honest. It really depends on how much I've had to drink <laughs> on that yes. trip. But Accurate. <laughs> um, there are a couple things that make me join a wine club. Uh, one is like the age-old question, how much of this wine do I want to drink? So mm, I yeah. belong to multiple wine clubs shall we yeah. say and handful a handful every single one i join though when when i decide when i make that move to join it's like yeah i'm gonna drink these bottles mm -hmm. like they're not gonna sit out um these are things i want to drink on the regular and uh that doesn't mean that you know they have to be super extravagant or pricey. I have a wide range of clubs that I'm I'm a member of. Um, but it's like, these are drink, wines I want to drink and I want to share and I want to enjoy. And the thing is, is like, they are going to get drunk. And so most yeah. wine clubs... 
as we are going to get drunk. Well, here we are. <laughs> <laughs> so most wine clubs, it's between like usually three to six, I would say, bottles per shipments. Yeah. And you, you get your shipments two to three times a year. And like if you really love a wine producer, like you're going to drink those bottles. Easy peasy. Yeah. So yeah, that 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 comp- that and how much I've had to drink during a certain trip. And when I say to Lauren recently, our friend who was just in Los Olivos, uh, it's not a wine trip if you haven't joined a wine club. Yeah, you gotta yeah. join a wine club. <laughs> there you go. That's my rule. All right, Jules. So uh, here's a good one. What is the most ridiculous reason you have ever joined or quit a wine club? I have a quitting story. I feel like this is going to be good. So one of the actual very first wine clubs we ever joined in Los Olivos. Uh-oh. <laughs> moved to a different town in that same area, to Solving. And Solving is a little bit busier. It's a little bit bigger. It's still not big, but it's just a little bit busier than Los Olivos. More touristic, too, I would yes. say. Yeah. And they moved their tasting room to Solving from Los Olivos. And I was like, nope. I just don't want to, and we were a pickup, pickup wine club. Okay. So it was, you know, it was forcing us to go up to that area to pick up the various wine so clubs, hard. whatever. Like it was fun, right? Like it was a, it was yeah. a, it, we made it a thing as, as you do. So we were just like, oh, you're going to Solvang. Yeah. We don't want to be part of the wine club anymore. So we quit it. Just to be clear, Solvang and Los Olivos are about 10 minutes from each other. Yeah, it's not that far, but I think I think one of the, ideologically it's a world away. <laughs> but one of the things that swayed my decision was we actually were in solving for a pickup for this wine club, and it happened to be some sort of a motorcycle rally, oh, and it fucking took us. And it's like just a two lane highway. It's like a you know it one is, and yeah. one in and out. It took us so long to get in, and then there was no parking, and I was like, "I'm, we're, we're out, we're fucking out. This is not how we're doing this every time." So, so you we know, put that wine club. You know, Dobie, my dog, his favorite restaurant is in Solvang. I know, but I'm just like, <laughs> it just. He really loves tater tots at Brekkie. I just was like, no, we can't do this anymore. And they also had a really good olive oil and balsamic vinegar. Well, maybe if you ask really nicely, the next time I take Dobie to breakfast in Solvang, I'll get you some. Yeah, but then I don't get my discount because I got the discount because I was part of the line. You know, I like you enough that I deal with that. <laughs> <laughs> but I don't want to pay a full price oh now my that God. I know how much I can save being part of the wine club. Oh. Anyway, we digress. Uh, Drea, what was your... Uh, so, you know, this was one of my first wine clubs that I joined and then left. What was your very first wine club that you joined? Okay, so this is taking it way, way back. back. Uh, so if you listen to our college arc, you know that I went to Berkeley. Go Bears! Oh Jesus, <laughs> she always has to talk about that. That and oh Colonial. My God, now I'm starting to think like Berkeley people are like Harvard people. How do you know people went to Harvard? They'll fucking tell you. Or or will wear tie dye. It's like a different. Okay, well. Anyway. So um, first wine club. First wine club. Uh, John and I were dating, and this must have been like I'm gonna say. Right near around when I graduated, so either late 2003 or sometime early 2004, and we went up to Napa, Sonoma area, spent a couple days up there, and we went to Behringer. 
Oh, in Napa, which, so the property there is beautiful. Like, a lot of the the wineries for the big producers there, like Behringer, Mondavi, are stunning. They're Mm -hmm. they're gorgeous. But we went to Behringer, and we had such a good time that we joined the wine club. So not only was that my first wine club, but that was our first, like, kind of joint financial venture as a couple. It was, like, a big deal. Um, and to be, to be clear, I think we need to, to do a little bit of education here. When you join a wine club for like a big producer, so think like, like a Behringer. Yeah. Like a Behringer, yes. a Mondavi, uh, Rodney Strong, which yes. Rob had pointed out to. that you belong yep. to, um, places like that. Usually what you're getting in your club picks is not what they're selling in the grocery store. No, absolutely Like not. the, what you're getting are the, the best, the yeah. best of their wines. You're getting their heritage single vineyard varietals um for Behringer they had like a couple of different vineyards that they Mm -hmm. really pulled from and highlighted and we were members for like three years I remember and finally it was just like okay the stuff is kind of just sitting here and and quite frankly like our taste had changed too we had done more traveling at that point and so we eventually let it go but I'll always have a soft spot for that Behringer do you still belong to it no, okay. no, no, we like a long so. time ago. I didn't yeah. think so. Um, okay, here, speaking of wine clubs and joining, Jules, what wine club have you most recently joined? I most recently joined a wine club with Sophie James. And it's a... It's uh, It's located up in uh sonoma napa area and she is she's not the winemaker but she is the one that envisioned creating this um winery and sophie james is actually sophie and james husband and wife so that's a combination of the names and this is the one that has the most beautiful packaging it is really gorgeous. Like when you get your wine club shipment, it's just this experience of like something special. And they do a rosé, a sparkling rosé, a pinot. They just did a Chardonnay, which I'm not a fan of. And so I'm sort of like, mm, like I, I wonder how it's produced. We'll have to do a little research. Oh, maybe solving on one. You don't even know. I have to, because we haven't gotten the shipment yet. Oh, okay. It's coming. So, it's coming. That's right. It's delivery yeah, I'm season. Not, like, and now I'm like blanking on like whether it was a Chardonnay or something a block. But um, just a really lovely young couple, like young family who bought a ranch up in that area and like have like built it out and like built this business. And they are all like organic, biodynamic, like all that stuff without the certifications. So that's the one I most recently joined. And the only way that you can get the wine is belonging to the wine club. I have a, I have one of those too, like you but cannot, it's worth it. You yeah. can't buy it in stores. You cannot buy it online, but you have to be part of the wine club. So that's the most recent one that I joined. I've been super happy with it because every shipment I get, is just, I'm like, this is just so beautiful. And We're going to so need to post thought, a photo. Thought and care put into how they package their shipments that it just... Is amazing and their wines are very very good. But anyway, um, Drea, how many wine clubs are you a part of? I feel very attacked right now. Oh God. But okay, here we go. <laughs> okay, all right, I'll, all right, I'll, all right. I'll do it with you. No, no, no. Okay, so I've got. Let's see. Are, okay, are we talking 
ones are solely mine or also ones I share? Anything that gets okay, put to your credit card. Fine, 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 fine. So I am a member of, let's see, Lusu up in Berkeley. Uh huh. I am a member of Soul Miner, which we're drinking today. I am a member of Storia Soil, which is also in Los Olivos. I am a member of Four Lanterns with my parents in Paso Robles. Um, I'm a member of Booker, also in Paso. I just recently joined Bodega de Edgar in Paso as well. Yes, that was your most recent one. Yeah, and they are phenomenal. Um, and they're about to go members only too. So yeah. I wanted to get in before um, they did that. But yeah, so what is that? Six? Mm -hmm. I'm part of seven. Okay. Oh, shit. All right, I gotta get my shit together. I feel like between like five and eight is a solid number of wine clubs. Yeah, for sure. I mean, also it's, it's not like we're not going to drink it. We're going to drink it and we get good deals and we perks. get the perks, like she said, you know, the parties and all that stuff. So I think it's, you know, as long as we drink it, it's good. I regret nothing. Yeah, we get nothing. <laughs> okay. So, Jules, for your seven wine clubs, do you tend to do reds, whites, or a mix? And for our listeners, you know, law wine clubs, you get a choice. So you can do all reds in your shipment. You can do all, all whites, whites if it's yeah. the the season. If, if they do whites. And they do yeah. whites. Or you can do a mix. And um, usually in the mix, if they make a rosé, that's where they'll throw yes. it in. Mm -hmm. um, so what's your preference? I definitely lean towards the reds. Okay. I don't think anyone's like going to be super surprised about that. I like the red wines. Rob might be. No. <laughs> Jesus. Rob might be. Rosé. 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 <laughs> Uh, but I do think that that's probably the majority of wine clubs would be reds because I feel like most wineries focus on red wines with some white wines thrown in there. So mm -hmm. you're either doing a reds or a mix. There's yeah. not a lot of wine clubs out there that are just white wines, I yeah. don't think. It, I mean, don't I, quote me on that. I have not done the research. I don't have the data on it, but I would imagine based on my anecdotal research that people are mostly red or mixed, but I am, I am more of a reds only person because yeah. that's what I drink. And I think too, you know, the, the tendency these days with wine clubs, you know, I think post pandemic, it's a really different kind of world out there with wine club stuff because, um, and I, I know we've talked about this on the podcast before, but direct to consumer purchasing has skyrocketed. Yeah. Like those sales are now huge because how do you think we got through the damn pandemic? But why? But a lot uh, of it. <laughs> all of it. But a lot and of <laughs> yes. uh, a lot of um, wineries are now kind of really allowing you to self-select. Mm -hmm. And if you know you like like. They'll send out, so like a lot of my wine clubs, for example, they'll send out, hey, this is what's going to be in your shipment. If you but want you something, something different, yeah. click here. I do and, love that. Yeah. And some of them um, are just straight up like your allocation is six bottles. Yep. Here's the list. Pick what you want. And so I think that, you know, like they've really adapted to the different taste of drinkers. Mm -hmm. um, I'm, a, I'm a mixer myself. Yeah. I like a mixed bag, grab bag. Yeah. 
I like that, though, because then we get to try a bunch of different stuff, because I get the reds and she gets the mixes. And I bring you orange wines. And she brings me orange <laughs> wines that I would normally not select. Okay, final question of the night. Drea, what is your favorite wine club? <sighs> this one's hard. Because it's so hard because it kind of depends on the time of year too. Like, and it's also like picking your favorite child, kind of. You know, like oh, I love I mean, you it's all not to equally. That extent, I don't but... know. I take my wine. <laughs> we don't have children, but I'm gonna. I have say dogs. <laughs> we have dogs. Yeah. You have one dog. I have one actually. dog, and I. It's still hard to pick my favorite child. So, um, I am gonna go with though a tried and true, and that is Story of Soil and Los Olivos. Mm. So they were yeah. one of the first. Um, wine clubs that I've joined in recent years and I, they just do it right. I mean, they are so good to me. Every time I go up there and taste, they have hooked up my friends. I hooked I've up been there. With Jules the and Rob. Yeah, yeah. On a tasting. Hookup, yeah. Their tasting Lauren room, was recently there. Yep, yep. Their tasting room manager, Brandon is fantastic. He's just so knowledgeable and so personable and lets my dog sit on the furniture. Um, and oh, was that a no-no? I don't think so. I, I think okay, for, like, so I was like, I'm pretty sure that Luke and Penny were like sitting on the chairs. <laughs> but um, and and I love their wines. Like yeah. I I haven't the tasted anything there. And that, the tasting room is really chill. Lovely. Yeah, yeah, it's so relaxing. It's very. It's just an easy, non. Pretentious experience. Yeah. They're they're super nice there, and um, like I've never had anything there I didn't like. Yeah. And so when I get to open up and and their wine, like I definitely drink it, but it's still special. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? So yeah. like if I've made a really nice meal, like let's open a bottle of this. Oil. Yeah. yeah. Um, I just think their wines are phenomenal, and I can't, I can't imagine not having them at home. So they're my favorite. All right. I love that. So there you have it, your Shawinigans for this episode, the first episode of our Harvesting Your Wine Club series. On this episode, we are kicking things off with a wine that Drea has pulled from one of her wine clubs. Bottle number 40 of Two Girls in a Great Podcast is Curarse la Cruda, which roughly translates to Cure the Hangover. So right away, sounds amazing. This comes from Soul Miner, and it is a vintage 2020 from the Los Olivos area in California. The price point for this wine is 35, so a little higher than our typical price points that we try to feature here on the um, podcast, but hopefully we will find out that it is worth the price. Also, that is the retail price. So if you are a member- You get a slight discount. Yeah, you get yes. a nice discount yeah. usually. Uh, the ABV on this bottle is 11.4%, so it feels like a really nice sort of like afternoon one when you're sitting outside, something a little lighter to not, you know, sort of like do a heavy hitter right off the bat. The basics on this wine are that it is natural, biodynamic, it's small production, and it's a skin contact white, which means it is actually an orange wine. So none of these things are very surprising considering that it's coming out of Drea's cellar. <laughs> so Drea, tell us a little bit about what we are going to be drinking in this bottle. Yeah, this is a fun one. and I Oh, is it? It is. Okay. It's a very fun one. Uh, and I picked it because 
you know, this this harvest season, I think, is all about transitions, right? We're changing actual seasons. The all those grapes are getting some parts of the country. Well, I mean, we don't. (laughs) We San Diego doesn't participate. Yeah, we don't because we are still in full on summer. It's gross, but um, <laughs> you know you've got so in theory you have the changing of the seasons, and the the vineyards are changing. Right, you are picking off all the grapes. You're making that transition. Pretty soon they'll start pruning back the vines and all of that good stuff. And since this is an orange wine. It's going to be different from your traditional white. It's going to have a little bit more body, a little bit more texture. And I love to drink these wines during this time of the year. So the evenings are starting to get cooler. Uh, here in San Diego, we've had some nice marine layer fla- fra- blah, 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 blah. fog. The froggy flogs. Marine uh, layer fluff. <laughs> marine layer fluff rolling on through. So this is a good one for that. And... The white wine varietal that this is made from is a Gruner Veltliner. Gruner Veltliner. <laughs> I feel like this might be a character in Die Hard the movie. It is not, but I'm going to let you think it is. It's fine. Hans Gruber. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> the joke never gets old. <laughs> the uh, first time we recorded this, I made that joke, and she was like, oh, you are such an asshole. I'm still like, there. I'm still there. <laughs> But uh, Gruner is a Austrian white wine, uh, or white grape, excuse me, that is most likely indigenous to that area. So what is now Austria, um, recent DNA analysis has revealed that is actually a natural hybrid of Sauvignon, uh, which is one of the grapes, one of the parent grapes, excuse me, of Sauvignon Blanc, and St. Gorgoner Rebe, an obscure Austrian grape from Eastern Austria. So this is a hybrid obscure grape indeed. that uh, occurs naturally in nature. How's that? How's that for a, mm. for a phrasing? You're welcome, everyone. Naturally in nature. Okay. <laughs> and Gruner is interesting because it it can be very very high yielding. So the vines produce small yellowish green grapes. Um, and can be plentiful, but the vines themselves are also very susceptible to powdery mildews and infestations of rust mites. Ew. I know, gross, right? That like to feed on those grape leaves. So they can be really difficult to grow and maintain. Uh, In California, which is, you know, far from Austria, right? I think of Gruner as the white counterpart of like Pinot Noir, a grape that is known a little more challenging yeah to be challenging to grow especially in some of these climates um and just like pinot this makes growing conditions for gruner particularly important so it can grow in a variety of soils but they tend to thrive in soils with a high lois content um, which is a rich dust-like soil and part of that is it's really good at absorbing excess moisture Hmm. Um, so it protects those vines and protects the fruit on them vines in austria are often grown in what is called the lens moser style so our last episode we talked about different growing styles and kind of training the vines um, to grow in certain climates and in certain weather conditions. And Lensmoser is a another style of training the vines. So this was developed in the 1920s, and it allows for the vine stalks to grow relatively high off the ground. Um, and the intention is then to 
reduce the density of the vines mm. so that there's a good amount of space um, about three or four, 3.5 meters or so apart from each stalk. And that opens those canopies up. So you're not getting all that like condensed bunching of leaves Which and grape help clusters. With the yep. So the air lights. is able to yeah. pass through mm -hmm. them exactly. Yeah. Uh, for much of its history, Grunerweltliner was just another Austrian grape, just, just hanging out. Austrian grape, hills are alive <laughs> and all that. Yep. Uh, and few wine enthusiasts in the 19th and early 20th centuries gave this wine any credit or thought, especially compared to famous French wines such as Sauvignon Blanc and Chardonnay, which were all the rage in Europe and quite frankly in the rest um, of the world. Yeah, the yeah. United States too. However, after World War II and the use of the Lenz Moser system, the grape began to get a lot more notice because higher profile quality wines were being produced. Mm, yeah. So they didn't have, you know, any of that mildew or rust taint that you get in the the clusters that are close together. So this really catapulted Grunerweltliner's popularity in Austria first from the 1950s to today. In terms of international popularity, the wine for the popularity for Gruner grew significantly after 2002 at the wine tasting competition in which an Austrian Gruner beat out a French Grand Cru. Oh, scandal. Oh, I bet the French had the something French to say about that. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> how dare you uh, outside of Austria Gruner has also become an important grape especially in emerging uh, growing regions so for example in Slovakia Gruner is the most planted grape and in the Czech Republic it is the second most grown grape do we know what the first most grown grape in the Czech Republic is I want I would venture to say it's an indigenous grape that's from there because i mean vines have grown there they that's been a wine producing region for you know probably close to a thousand years i would imagine jules is giving me the fish eye i'm trying to look it up she's also going to the google i am going to the googles to see if i can find it but i'm not finding it right away but maybe somebody who is listening Knows, knows the answer to this question. Yeah, who and really if likes you? Do, send us a DM. Also, I'd be down to do a Czech Republic wine on a future episode, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, in the New World, so Estados Unidos, Canada, places like that, Gruner has done well traditionally in cooler w wine regions. So places like the Finger Lakes in New York. Um, I've seen Gruners come out of Washington State. Gruners in, believe it or not, uh, Jules, the Midwest. I've oh, seen a couple it. of them. We know what that. We know what that wine tastes like. <laughs> but they're. It ain't pretty. They're a lot less common in California, where we tend to have those really warm summers, right? Um, so for traditional Gruners. Which, by the way, this, this Soul Niner is not that, so let's just get that out of the way. But just to give you a little bit of information, a tradi traditional Gruner Veltliner offers primary flavors of lemon, lime, grapefruit. So heavy on the citrus, that's where you're going to get that bright acidity from. Um, and then softer flavors, like fruit flavors like nectarine. Um, so some early summer stone fruits. And then secondary notes include white pepper, Iris, green bean, radish, tarragon, ginger, and honey. That's 
quite a combination. Right. So it's definitely Very some like herbaceousness um, mixed in with that. And a little bit of a spicy. A spicy. With the white pepper. And the radish. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, and the radish. Um, it's best to serve Gruner chilled to about 46 degrees Fahrenheit, which is pretty cold for even for a white wine. Um, so this is definitely one you want to pop in that fridge and leave, make sure it's chilled down. In addition to citrusy flavors, Gruner tends to be very light in body and have a strong, um, intense acidity that is often noted for its kind of tingly mouthfeel. So almost like a little bit of effervescence. Uh, and finally, I think one of the most interesting things about Gruner and something that we're going to see reflected to, in today's bottle is it's really can be made in two very distinct styles. One is exactly what I just, just described and is best served young. So that is a Gruner that's really going to have that acid punch, be very citrus and herb forward. And then one that can be aged. Uh, which is closer to what we're going to drink today. Let's talk a little bit about this bottle in particular, though. Uh, the Soul Miner bottle that is my wine club pick is from Los Olivos, as you mentioned, and that's in California's Central Coast. And it comes from the Delanda Vineyard, which is, is owned by the owners of Soul Miner, so they are not sourcing these grapes from anywhere. They are seeing what is in that bottle from planting to harvest to winemaking process. Uh, the vineyard is certified biodynamic and CCOF organic. And for, for those of you who drink natural wines, you probably know this, and for those of you who don't, uh, getting these certifications is very hard. So it's even jumping through 1 million hoops and costs a lot of money. It costs a lot of money. So even a lot of these like quote unquote natural wines you're drinking, you'll see things on the label like, wild or feral yeast yeah. um you'll see things like low intervention you'll see things like um what's the other word i'm looking for uh low intervention native feral yeast uh naturally produced mm -hmm. you know words that aren't certified organic well, even if they the, don't get the certification right. because it is highly regulated and it's also really expensive so for the smaller producers it's really difficult for them to justify the cost of that just to get like sort of like a fucking stamp of approval on their bottle absolutely different so, yeah yeah and you're really likely to see those certifications much more in wines that come from overseas because it's a much easier process mm -hmm. um in those places but in any case soul miner has gone through that rigmarole and jumped through those hoops um so they are certified organic this is a skin contact orange wine that is hand harvested, foot tread, fermented on the skins for two weeks, and that's what gives it its color. So when we talk about orange wines, you know, typically these are white grape wines that are getting that color from the contact with the skin. Just like a rosé gets its pink color from some skin contact, your orange wine, that's where that color is coming from. This is also an aged white wine. It is aged for seven months in neutral French oak, which is, you know, a bit of time. Mm -hmm. uh, and, a, and really uncommon for a natural white wine. A lot of natural whites that you find in the retail market, they're going into the tank, 
They are being bottled, and then they go to market pretty quickly. And you drink them. Yeah, and you drink them. They're not meant to be a seller. Yeah, yeah. You You drink that stuff young. Uh, You drink that shit immediately. I mean, we do. So, (laughs) 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 but this one is definitely uh, what I would put in the category of the age style of a Gruner Veltliner, and Soulminer produces about two hundred cases of this a year. So it's one of their their standard wines in their line. They they do quite a number of varietals and they're always experimenting. But this one's a constant, I would say, in their catalog. And now that we know a little bit about the grape and the producer, it's time for some fun facts with Jules. Fun facts with Jules. I think we need a we need a little song for that. Yeah, we need some a music segment for a that. Music segment for that. Anyway, we'll work on that. So in addition to all of the information that Drea just gave you, which is a little bit more of the academic series information, uh, the word Gruner itself translates to green wine of Veltlin. But I actually want to say green wine of Veltlin. But that would be incorrect. The Veltlin uh, was an area in the lower Alps during the 1600s that is now part of Valtellina, Italy. So technically we're drinking an Italian wine. If we go way back. Many other Austrian grapes also have the Veltliner in their name, such as Rota Veltliner. However, the Gruner Veltliner is genetically distant from these other grapes. So it's its own distinct um, grape. Because Veltliner is of like wine of the Velten, right? So right. it's just like that region then? Yes. Yeah. Sure. Sure. <laughs> Fine. Whatever. So we use facts loosely around here. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Facts, this is, facts are in This is more marks. information than they're getting from the label and the bottle. This is so true. you're welcome. You're welcome, reader. <laughs> what makes Gruner Veltliner wine so unique is its signature vein of acidity that explodes in your mouth like pop rocks, which I am particularly excited to experience that, you know, just sort of that feeling remember we talked about two distinct styles yes foreshadowing okay (laughs) then that's not gonna happen i guess jules is gonna be disappointed back yet again facts Uh, there are about fifty thousand acres of gruner veltliner hans gruber worldwide and over 75 percent of the gruner veltliner wines comes from austria so that's not surprising considering we kind of talked a little bit about, you know, the growing, the the growing, what's the word I'm looking for? Traditions. W- or like the climate Conditions. that it needs to grow. Yeah. Conditions, correct. Thank you. I Welcome. was going to get there eventually. Uh, this Gruner was the very first varietal that Soul Miner actually made. So I find that really interesting that they would choose to go with something that was fairly, I think, um, Obscure, no, obscure for the American the palate. Market. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, this particular wine, in addition to the name being fun, right? So just to go back, the translation of "curarse la cruda" is "cure the hangover." So that in itself is a super fun fact, and I love that. But in addition to that, the winemaker David Lasaki often compares making wine to making music. And he says that music is something you can get deeper and deeper into with a great community. And there's a bit of an obsession there. So there are a lot of parallels with wine in that sense. And that is super true. I mean, people are 
crazy about their music, right? So they have Strong I like opinions. this style of music, and it's vinyl. It can only be on vinyl, and like all this stuff. So and I they're very like, into like the history yes. of it and the composition. Or you know, they can be really particular about uh, you know how it's made, and you know, if you is listen it to traditional a, and it, like all that. Do kind you of stream stuff. or do you listen to an album as it was yeah. intended? Yes. Yeah. So I, I feel get like it. that is spot on. Um, also, this particular wine has an old world connection through winemaker Anna Delasky. Um, she is a native of Austria's famed Wachau region and has guided the couple towards a decision to plant two of Austria's most recognizable grapes, one being Gruner Veltliner and the second one being Blaufrankisch, Blaufrankisch, Blaufrankisch. which is rarely seen outside of their native land. So I wonder if Blaufrankisch is... No. I was thinking about the Czech Republic. Never mind, dear reader. I digress. So there are your fun facts. And now we're going to kick it back over to Drea, who is going to tell us a little bit more about the region that this wine is coming from, which is Los Olivos. And we both love Los Olivos. Love we both it. have spent quite a bit of time up there tasting and our girlfriend Lauren, shout out Lauren. Hey Lauren. Was just there. So and jealous. Sent us a picture of everywhere she went and then sent us a picture of her car full of wine <laughs> that she was bringing back. So hopefully, Lauren, share. <laughs> Lauren, Lauren, what's Lauren, your harvest pick? <laughs> Lauren's actually a sharer and a carer as well. So I yes, fully expect her to share things. No pressure. <laughs> but yeah, we love Los Olivos. Um, it is. Such a great little area, and if you ever get the chance to visit, it is, it's extremely walkable because it's really like a one flagpole it's awesome. town. And in that area, there's something like over 40 tasting rooms. There's in, over 50, I think. In, in like that four block radius or something, yeah. and it's just, there's great little restaurants and cute little shops, and it's, it's a real joy to visit. Like, don't um, be thinking that you're going to be able to try all of the... All yeah. Of the, no, 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 no. Go no, to no, all no. the tasting rooms when you're in Los Olivos because don't be, be that dead. person. You'd be dead. Yeah, don't be that person. Don't be that fucking bachelorette party. Okay. Oh, God. Don't be that little mini tour bus that comes into don't town. Don't wear a flower crown. And hits five tasting rooms in one day. Can't even taste anything after that. No. No. Three is and, and the perfect number. We are seasoned. We know what we're doing, and three is a good number. Yep. I, any more than that, your palate's shot. And so are you, most likely. Right. So, or you should be. You're welcome for this unsolicited <laughs> advice and judgment. Just saying. But back to Los Olivos. So, what's interesting to me about Los Olivos is that it has such a long heritage of wine, um, but that its its establishment as an official AVA uh, is only from 2016. So it's. A, I can't believe that because I've been going to Los Olivos. I want to say the very first time that we went to Los Olivos was in 2010. So we've been going there for so long. I just didn't, I didn't realize that it didn't get established until then. The first time we went was in 2005 for John's birthday. Oh man. So it was a, I was like one of the first people to go. And we got shit housed at Zaka Mesa of course because we were like the only people there and they were really nice and they just kept pouring generous. and thank you then I love a generous pour we ended up at the miniature horse farm oh god <laughs> just right Jesus next to Christ. <laughs> so 
so yeah, that I mean we had to start our own little like sideways situation Love there. It. But um also side note is if you've ever watched the movie Sideways, Los Olivos is heavily that area is heavily featured in that movie. That's kind of where they are. Right. And double side note, we had a season one episode getting sideways. Um, about this film and its legacy. So, so definitely go back and listen. Check that one out. But yeah, so Los, Los Olivos is established in early 2016 as a subregion of Santa Inez Valley. And it covers about 23,000 acres. So it's not particularly huge. Um, geographically, it sits between two major heavy hitters in terms of AVAs in that area, and that's Ballard Canyon. And Happy Canyon. And if you drink wines from the Central Coast, uh, and in particular, if you like the, the heavier reds, like your Zins and your Cabs, you have seen Ballard and Happy on labels before. They're, they are some of the best producing areas up there. I know for sure Ballard Canyon. I'm very familiar with Happy Canyon. I'm trying to think of which wines I've had that have had, that have harvested from that area. Can you think of a producer up there that uses the happy candy So wine? I I want to say that Blackjack, which is okay. the main winery that's featured in the film Sideways, has one from Happy Canyon. They have quite I want to oh, I want to say maybe their cab is coming from there. Um so that's something we can definitely follow up on though in terms of an AVA. Mm-hmm. Um, we have origin. so many ideas for upcoming episodes. Yeah, we really we should be Happy writing Canyon, these down. Like, we could do Happy Canyon. Pick a wine from Happy Canyon. That would be fun. Okay. Yeah. Anyway, you guys are hearing how our brains work <laughs> in real time. On a Friday. So, back to <laughs> so the episode. At the time of its AVA status approval, Los Olivos comprised about 12 bonded wineries and 47 commercial vineyards with more than 1,100 acres under vine. Uh, So it's grown quite a bit, as you can see, um, in the last 10 years or so. And like we said, there's now probably over 50 tasting rooms in the Los Olivos area. I do want to be clear, though, not all of those rooms are getting all of, so not all of those winemakers are getting all of their grapes from Los Olivos-based vineyards. Some of them are getting them from other places in Santa Barbara County, including Santa Ynez, right? So, you know, do keep that in mind as you're looking at those labels. And if you go in and you're asking either someone in a tasting room or someone in a wine shop, asking where those grapes are coming from is a fair question and a great question because it's going to tell you a lot about what's in the bottle. If you are getting a wine from a Los Olivos vineyard, Uh, What you're getting is the experience or the end product yield of a soil that is mostly sand and clay. And that mixture tends to yield really great nutrients and natural drainage, which is really nice because Central California is known for sort of its spurts in terms of weather. So it's either real wet or bone dry. Um, And those things happen like over long term. The other interesting thing about Los Olivos is the terrain is largely flat, which is really a unique feature in that region because you've got a lot of hills, you've got a lot of valleys and canyons. But this particular area has very few slopes or hills, um, Make again, making it pretty unique. 
The climate here is a good mixture of sun, rain, and fog with warm daytime temperatures and cooler nighttime temps, uh, which, as we've seen from other episodes, is really beneficial to sugar production and developing good acidity, especially in those white grapes. Um, so acidity and tannins are, you know, a, a hallmark that you're going to see in wines from this area. The region is known for its Sauvignon Blanc, Cabernet Sauvignon, Merlot, ugh, and <laughs> your cool, your what did what did um, uh, Paul Giamatti's character say in Sideways? If you, someone orders a fucking Merlot, I'm leaving. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Except I used to not love Merlot, but I have tried some really good Merlots, and I know we've talked about this yeah. before. That like I feel like there are some winemakers out there who are doing who are, it, who are out to turn the tide on Merlot. Yeah. I mean, and to be fair, Merlot in, especially in California, I think has gotten a bad rap because yeah. it's kind of like the precursor to Pinot. So now how everyone And also because Pinot. of that fucking movie. Yeah. Well, like, and, there was some, there was research that like the sales of Merlot plummeted yep. after that movie. So there's a little bit of that sort of like influencer uh, yeah. sort of idea. And I think that if I didn't see that it was a Merlot on some bottles, I would actually probably enjoy the wine. I just have this tendency to be like, oh, I don't like that type of wine. Right. I say that. Same. I don't like that. Yeah. I don't want that. Like, I don't like it. So I'm trying to, I've been trying to be more open to trying things that I would traditionally think that I wouldn't like. Okay. Well. Except for Petite Syrah, of course. So, so my, so, okay. On my shopping list now for this international trip is... I'm going to bring back a bottle of a Merlot I actually really love. Oh, okay. Yeah. So we'll we'll see how this goes. Okay. <laughs> um, Stay tuned. So Merlot and cool climate grapes like Syrah. Uh, that's what you're really seeing coming out of this region. And I will say there are some amazing Syrahs coming yes. out here. Uh, the Delanda Vineyard in particular, where Soul Miner is grown, was founded in 2012. Uh, as we've mentioned, it's certified biodynamic or anorganic. And what I love about it is they really take to heart the idea of a vineyard as a complete ecosystem. So on the property at the vineyard, they have chickens and donkeys and sheep and bees, fruit trees, native plants, biodynamic compost, and use herb teas to support the micro microorganisms in the dirt and the overall health of the vineyard to make sure that it continues to be self-sustaining and yield a really high quality product. I think that's super cool. Yeah. I, I It kind of harkens love back a little them. bit to, I think, our 16600 wine that we did. Mm -hmm. Just kind of like thinking about the, the whole ecology around, it's not just about the vines, but it's about everything else around it and like what's what's going into the soil and like, you know, just how everything is around it. So, I like Well, that. and it's also, you know, uh, to be quite honest, a really smart business move when you're talking about longevity of a vineyard and a label, you know, very few vines produce forever. And the ones that do are tended to in a way that treats them as part of that ecosystem. So, yeah, you can go to places like islands in Greece where those vines have been yielding grapes for like five and six hundred years. Yeah. That's a testimony to their farming practices and mm -hmm. how they tend and care for the land and replenish it after harvest each year. And I think that Soul Miner, um, especially with its European roots, is really focused on doing that. Um, so they're looking at the long game too. 
And so let's talk a little bit about Soul Miner. Um, let's do that. The name Soul Miner means to mine the sun, which Duh. in turn nourishes <laughs> the soul. To start off our tasting, I thought it might be nice to provide the our listeners with the tasting notes from Soul Miner. Uh, their website's really great. They do a great job kind of laying out the their tastings and their wines. Um, they're super attentive when you go tasting at the tasting room. Um, but as Jules like to, likes to say, we'll be the judge of this, I suppose. But <laughs> <laughs> we'll be the judge on that. But this is how they describe this wine. A slightly hazy, beautiful amber-colored wine with complex layers, aromas of savory Mediterranean herbs, green tea, and barley. On the palate, it's fresh and almost cider-like with flavors of green apples, lemon zest, and white peaches with a clean mineral finish. This is a fun wine to open up and see how it evolves with time. Pairings include hard-aged hard cheese, Yum. roast chicken, and herb roasted vegetables. I mean, do we even have to do a tasting? Like, that's basically <laughs> just did our job for us. Well, I know how you like it to have... like, the notes... Like on the nose, <laughs> it gave us this sort of like tasting and then the pairing. So we've got all that information right here in front of us. Well, I know I know how you like to have an opinion about these wines. I though. do. <laughs> I resemble that accusation. Resemble or resemble? <laughs> resemble. My parents always say that. Oh, cute. When it's like an actual like, yep, <laughs> that is me. I resemble that accusation. How dare you? Okay, what are we seeing in the glass? So, I mean, I actually don't think it's that hazy, um, but it is, to me, a really beautiful, brilliant amber color. How about, how about you? You're going to be mad at me. I mean. Because my, we always talk about reference, right? We, like, we what do. is your frame of reference? Very referential, yes. Tang. <laughs> Like, col- it's kind of the color like of the powdered tang. shit that yes yeah, okay. a little bit the color yeah. of tang which I have not had that in eons like I can't remember the last time I had tang I kind of want very, some like, now growing up in Brazil <laughs> I used to literally just dip my finger in the powder and eat the powder oh like fun dip yeah so, like, oh I my god ate tang like that. I fucking loved it which is appalling to me right now but <laughs> the color is reminding me of tang and I, I so okay. it's not right. to say that's not a bad reference. No, like Tang has a very like good I, it's, reference. For it's me. comforting. It is. It's, it's like a It's fun. It's young. It's vibrant. It is so. really vibrant. You know what? It, okay, since we're going like that direction with our references, it's remind. It's giving me a little bit of Jurassic Park. The the cane that the dude has with the amber oh, yeah. with the mosquito. Yes. You know, like very much like that hue of amber. Yep. Um, but yeah, it's, it's a wild color. Like it is hard to believe that this comes from a delicate white, white grape, like Gruner. Yeah. Okay. What are we sniffing? Otherwise known as on the nose. So I do get some of those cider notes. Like it's, it's, it's a little yeast forward, which makes me think of like those hard ciders, but also really for me triggers, um, feelings of fall right like you know she okay dear reader (laughs) this 
bitch <laughs> is into her that's, pumpkin that's spice right. shit. And I'm that's telling right. you, that's right. this not wine sorry. looks like not pu- it's fucking a, it's pumpkin color. I oh my God. Think about oh my God. It's a pumpkin. No. Oh my God. Harry Potter. Shit. It's pumpkin juice. It's pumpkin juice. Shit. It's just ridiculous. Okay. This is the most basic bitch thing about... The only basic bitch thing about me is I love my fucking fall pumpkin spice extravaganza. Crazy. (laughs) And Jules does not, not into it. I did text Jules this morning and I was like, I'm having a pumpkin spice muffin and I feel like you should know about it. And I just told her I might have to reconsider our friendship, but then I reconsidered and said... There is a there is an expiration date on this shit. So I just got to get through pumpkin spice season with Drea and then we'll be back to our fine fun selves. <laughs> I mean, back I just... back to what we're smelling. Uh, to me it's a little musty. Okay. Wait, how so how do you feel about that? <laughs> uh I was a little surprised because I I have had Gruner Veltliners before mm-hmm. but obviously not the skin contact so I'm coming at it with sort of like an expectation of what I think of this grape varietal, right? So it's just really different from anything I've tried before. So not not musty in a bad way. In an um, aged way, though. In an aged way, yeah. So something that is unexpected to me because I expect that out of a red wine and not out of a light, lighter colored wine. Right. And, you know, I do, you know, this is one of those wines, too, that I think... The nature of how it's it's produced and the fact that it's a skin contact that I would let open up for a little bit, like I would a bottle of red. And to me, you know, so you're getting the must, I'm getting kind of the yeasty cider, but once it's been sitting in the glass for, for a little bit, I feel like, minutes. yeah, but even then <laughs> I feel like it's opened up a bit and I'm definitely getting that herbaceousness. So like tarragon, fennel. Um, I'm even getting a little bit of that grapefruit too. Uh, definitely softer on the citrus side than what I think a traditional Gruner would be, but it's still present. Um, mm-hmm. But certainly more like herbaceous mineral forward here. Yeah, so I'm not getting any of that. Just dang, huh? Yeah, I, I, well, I also think that your nose is it just, a, you are able to detect, detect stuff. Um, like the subtleties a lot better than I am. I have straight up dog nose. Yeah, like, I mean, I just think that you are better. At, you're better at that than I am. So it's it's no knock on the wine that Jules is not fucking getting this stuff. So to be fair, though, Jules is a lot better at the pairings because she cares about shit like that, and I'm just like an alcoholic. I do. So I it's think fine. about it. So yeah, <laughs> I'm like whatever. I'm like Anthony Bourdain said to drink what you want when you want. <laughs> so I'm gonna do that. Yeah, exactly. All right, um, let's taste this puppy. All right, let's do it. All right, Jules. So, what do you think? Uh, this is not what I expected. I'm going to be honest. Because when I read about the Pop Rocks thing, I was like, oh, I love that feeling <laughs> of, like, explosion in my mouth. And that's not what's happening. No, that is absolutely not what's happening here. So, I am enjoying it. It's just... It's a lot mellower than I thought because I was thinking I was going to get like the high blah, acid, blah, 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 blah. yeah, like, you know, effervescence in my mouth. You knew that wasn't going to happen. I did. Because you've had this wine before. I have. Um, but also. Unfair you know, advantage on the court. <laughs> but also, um, 
I think it's probably fair to say that I drink more like skin contact whites than you do oh, probably. Sure. Yes. And one of the things that I really enjoy about them and where I want to start because it's kind of where you started, you know, in terms of expecting that sort of pop rock, effervescence, lightness, high acid, that's a very particular like mouthfeel, right? Mm -hmm. And experience while drinking. And for me, what I love about orange wines is the texture and, and the mouthfeel, which is velvety, rich, highly structured, you know, these are full-bodied whites. And if you've been listening to the podcast for a while, you know that that's normally not my jam. Like, get that fucking Chardonnay away from me. If it's been <laughs> aged in new oak, really get it the fuck away from me. If it's buttery. Oh, God. Oh, you and Margaret are going to get along so well. <laughs> she was at Trader Joe's the other day asking the wine person, like, I want a buttery Chardonnay. And I was like, oh, God. I walked far away. Part of I'm my gonna go soul to the just food died. <laughs> um, so I do not have a glass of white you know wine what? tomorrow when you come over. I would have just pulled a bag of popcorn off the shelf because the snack aisle and the wine aisle across from each other and just started eating. Like, I <laughs> fucking can't handle <laughs> this right thing. now. Yeah. But, um, so, it, you know, for Chardonnay's, like, I do enjoy a richness to the texture, though. Like, I love a velvety wine that coats the mouth and this this is what it does but but this is more fresh oh well and i'm still getting chardonnay yeah and okay. i'm still getting the grape yeah you know i'm still getting um the essence of what the wine is and that's my so i actually really like chardonnays that are fermented in steel tanks or amphoras or like concrete eggs because it because you're getting the actual grape Fruit. versus like yep. the the oak the, the wood whatever wood it's being yeah made. and like but these ones yeah. are like toasted oak. i'm like Whoa. yeah so you know i think this wine is a <laughs> is a great alternative if you if you're a white wine drinker but you want something that's a little bit more um, robust, a little bit more velvety, um, that can stand up to some of like the heavier dishes for fall and winter. I think this is a great one to go with. Um, or if you're a Jules and you're not a white wine drinker, oh, and you're looking also that, yeah. to come from the opposite direction from the red wines, this could be a nice transitional wine. So Drea <laughs> just mentioned kind of food stuff. So let's talk about pairings. What do you want to eat with this? So I, during this time of the year, I love to make um, just a roasted pork loin and root vegetables. Yum. I want it. And it for me. I like to do like a curry or tandoori rub pork loin. And I just think this would go so well with it. The other dish I make a lot during the fall is chili. Duh. And yeah. I like to do it with turkey and like three or four different types of beans. Um, and I don't use, I tend not to use um, tomato as the base, like the thickening agent, like a tomato uh -huh. sauce. I use pumpkin, canned pumpkin. Oh, of course she does. No, but it, so what it does though is it. It does give it a depth of flavor. It gives you yes. a richness and a depth of flavor without all that acid. So yes. like for John yeah. and his tummy, like. Tomato-based chili in a red wine, like that's instant death. Well, for death. a lot of people, yeah, like just having all that acid is a lot. So and it and it feels a little lighter too. Um, so yeah, those are the two things I would make. What do you 
pairing with this well, one. Well, so it's funny that you, you said a curry rubbed pork loin because I was thinking an actual curry, like oh, an Indian curry. That would be good too. Would hold up well with this or go well with this or the wine would hold up well with the curry, however you want to look at it. But because um, it's like warming, it has those warming spices, It's but mm-hmm. it's not overwhelmingly spicy that you can't fucking taste your mouth like your, your <laughs> tongue is like on fire some basmati rice some non bread to like oh, dip in the extra sauce yes yeah that and may I also be my love thinking, language you said a chili and that also makes me think of my kind of go-to chili is a bison chili Ooh, yeah so i think that this would actually hold up I would never be like, oh, I'm going to serve a white wine with the bison chili. But I might actually do that because it would kind of lighten things up a little bit. Because it's a bison. You know, bison's a more of a red meat. So, or more of. It is a red meat. <laughs> so, it's a little heavier. But I think that that would hold up well. I, I actually think that this wine would hold up really well to a, to, to a red meat. I mean, yeah. I would. Pizza. Uh, burgers. You could have pizza. Listen, we are we are going off the rails. We hungry. We are, we are trying to do one food pairing, but we're li- so basically what we're saying is that this wine will actually swings really always well with a like yeah. lighter fare Roast as well chicken, as like heavier fare. Salmon. Yeah. Okay. We yeah, can, we're going I'm, there. I'm gone. Oh, she gone. All right. Let's she gone, move girl. on because you get the point. What is your sit like situ- What are you doing when you're drinking this wine? So this is a wine that honestly I would travel with. So, um, you know, in the kind of COVID, early post COVID era, we've really, we've really become reacquainted with the great American road trip mm-hmm. and love an Airbnb, love, you know, a wine country getaway, love just kind of getting out. Yeah of town and something different. And so like last year for John's birthday, John's birthday is in December. We went to Joshua Tree and we rented this beautiful 1940s Southwestern home that had indoor and outdoor fireplaces. And just like, you know, we would do the park in the morning and then just really hang out and like play records and drink wine and eat snacks. And this is a wine that I would take somewhere like on the road and enjoy fireside. Um, and since I, I'm going to pull jewels and mix the entertainment with it. I like it. Yeah, I'm I'm throwing on some David Gray, who's an Irish uh, folk singer who I love and recently saw in concert um, for like the fourth time. But I just love his music. I think it's real sexy. They are they are sexy tunes. And I think this wine is sexy, like in terms of texture and being unexpected. So, yeah, I'm taking her on the road and I'm drinking her to some David Gray. I like it. I would agree with the fireside aspect of kind of what you're doing when you're drinking this wine post dinner, of course. So, like, you've had your glass with dinner and then you've, like, moved away from the dinner table fireside. But my entertainment is playing some sort of a game. So whether it's a board game or something like charades, like something that like down with a, that, you know, group activity where you are doing something other than just like sitting and drinking the wine, which is fine. Yeah. Right? Well, so like you could be reading and listening to David Gray and I think that's awesome. But I also love sort of being, having like a, 
a jolly time with friends and being able and drinking the wine and then you're like oh the wine's gone that was so fun let's open another bottle yeah. well and i think though that that's a, a testimony to this is a fun wine it is a fun like wine. it's unexpected yeah. it's fun it's uh, you know i i what's interesting is this might be a challenging bottle for for some folks if, especially if you're if you're not used to orange wines or you've never had them you know, it's going to it's going to make your t- tongue slap your brain a little bit, but I think once you get once you become friends. Yeah. Once you get over that initial shock that it's not Tang, in fact. <laughs> or or in, that it looks like Tang. Or featured in the movie Die Hard. Damn it. <laughs> um it's it's a fun wine and it's it's easy. You know, it's an easy drinker. Yeah. So I think that that's the other thing to to know and I don't know what I kind of love about these wines that, you know, people think of as more experimental or whatever is they don't take themselves too seriously. You know, they're meant to be drunk and enjoyed and they're meant to be drunk. We're meant to be drunk. What? We're meant to be drunk. (laughs) Look at that. They're meant to be drunk. We're meant to be drunk. What's happening? Possible to say. Well, this is true. Okay. So where can our readers purchase this wine? So you can purchase this wine directly from the winery. Um, they have a great online shop there at www.soulminer. That's S-O-L-M-I-N-E-R.com. They ship across the United States. Uh, they, you know, would I, I always try to send business the way of smaller producers too yeah. i think you yeah. know and if you can get it from them directly get it from them it's directly our team, people um in addition if you are fortunate enough to have kind of like a natural focused wine bar or wine shop in your area they will likely have soul miner so you can always ask them or ask them to order it for you a lot of places are willing to do that um even if you just want a bottle or two and our next bottle will feature a wine club pick from Jules. From and she is taking a slightly different angle on the wine club phenomenon. So stay tuned for that. And we'd love to hear from you about your take on wine clubs. Do you think they're a good value? Do you belong to some? Which ones are your them. favorite? No, I don't want to hear that. I hate mail. Um, no, but. <laughs> I don't like hate mail. No hate mail. No hate mail. Uh, but Only if, love mail. If you have a strong opinion about the wine club or if you were obsessed with a certain wine and that's why you joined their wine club and you think we should know about it, go ahead and slide into those DMs and follow us while you're at it on Instagram at two girls in a great pod. That's T W O girls in a great pod, or send us your recs at two girls in a great pod, T W O girls in a great P O D at gmail.com. And until next time. Salute. Salute. Cheers, everyone.